as soon as I open it, roaches. To where when I walk in the house, <laughs> did you scream? Hold, <laughs> I don't know my life. Brother. Welcome back to Econics Talks, guys. When I pop up. Everybody gonna be like, man, overnight success. Lifestyle topics, entrepreneurship, and investing. Are you serious about this? Because if you are, then I'm willing to back the business. We want to inform you, educate you, and empower you so that you can maximize your life. Let's get started. Before we start today's episode, I want to remind everyone about our exclusive private group for entrepreneurs. A lot of times we suffer in silence and just having that support system while on this entrepreneurial journey can really help us out a ton. That's why we created this group and we want you to be a part of it. The link is in the show notes and we will be offering free memberships to the first 10 people who join. Just enter the promo code Econics 2020 to get access. Now on to our show. Welcome back to another episode of Econics Talks. Today, we have another dope guest. Um, I've been struggling to find some women to have on the podcast. Not really struggling, but I want to have a more diversified audience. Um, I have a lot of guys on talking about their businesses, so it's time to get a lady some love. So today, we have Olivia Robinson, and she is a young, budding entrepreneur. Um, she actually invented an app called Black Dollar, and I will let her explain that. Um, she's done a whole lot of things, man. So she's just one of those people who is really taking life by the horns, putting herself out there. And she's really crushing it and really hustling, trying to make this thing happen for herself. So I'm going to go ahead and shut up. And I'm going to go ahead and, and say, welcome, Olivia. Welcome to the podcast. And just thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. No problem. So we're going to jump right into it. So just kind of give me a little bit of an up, give me a little bit of a background on who you are, you know, your, your upbringing, your, your introduction to entrepreneurship. Are you the first one in your family or is this, you know, a family thing? All right. So, um, well, first off, my name is Olivia Robinson. I grew up in uh, Palmdale, California, which is um, a town a little bit Northeast of Los Angeles, California. Um, grew up in a pretty diverse neighborhood, um, racially and socioeconomically. And at the end of high school, I moved to Austin, Texas, which was very different. Um, and I wouldn't say it was quite a culture shock. I think it would be more of a, a revealing of what the majority of the country was like. Um, I think that was the first time when I actually realized, you know, that Black people and Latino people um, aren't the majority, you know? I think in the neighborhood I had grown up in, that was what was familiar. And I think moving to Texas, I realized, oh, wow, this is, um, you know, not how the rest of the country is. Um, moved back to California for college, went to Pepperdine University, and I just graduated this year with my degree in integrated marketing communications and rhetoric and leadership. Thank you so much. So you yeah. had a COVID graduation? I did. Oh, man. I feel How like I've been that? graduating please, all year. Please talk about that. I mean, <laughs> I could imagine having to graduate under those circumstances. Like, was it like trash or was it like, yo, this is this is dope? It was, I'm going to just say it was a lot. Um, I think my favorite one was my sister threw me a surprise graduation in the backyard. Uh, we had all the family on Zoom and I got to give a speech. Um, and then there was... Um, 
I think I can't remember who hosted it, but basically for um, black grads throughout the uh, United States, um, there was a graduation and then there was another one for black grads in California. And so those ones were pretty fun. There were a lot of special guests. Um, so you had you had um, like different graduations. So I'm assuming that they had different people recognize you guys or just because you were yeah. graduating in 2020, you got a chance to be invited different places. Is that, is that what I'm hearing correctly? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like I've been graduating all year, you know, that's crazy. Um, and you know, there's still a, a ceremony on schedule with my alma mater for next year if things go well. So, um, but yeah. So you do get to walk. Hopefully. Essentially. Um, right. All right. If things go well, you do get to, to get to technically walk. Yeah. That's the plan. Um, just, just waiting to see how that works out. There was supposed to be one in August, but you know, there's been a lot of changes this year. <laughs> I can only imagine how education has had to pivot um, and oh, make, you know, make adjustments, man. That's, that's crazy. It's even, even on uh, onboarding new freshmen into college, just how that, how they're not getting a true, you know, collegiate experience, especially if they're living on campus. It's just not the same. It's not the same. Absolutely. Yeah. I really feel for them because I think my freshman year of college was one of the most memorable experiences of my life. It was um, the best and worst time ever. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that might be it. You know, yep. um, grades had to get up because um, <laughs> wasn't as familiar with how that was supposed to go. But, you know, socially, that was an incredible year. Um, yeah. And even for myself, you know, my plan was to go into my master's this year. Um and, you know, plans change. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful for the changes. It's not what I expected. And, you, you know, definitely when I made some plan, great changes. Thank you. You know, I, I, I like to use the time as best as I possibly can um, and kind of just adapt to, you know, what I feel called to. Um, just because, you know, I think sticking with my plan is usually all right. But usually when my plans get disrupted, that means something better is about to happen. So right, at this right. point, I'm just like, okay, change my plans if you need to. Right. What is your calling? Or what do you feel called to do? Because you have a lot of things that you're doing, which, but all of them are centered around, it seems like one focus. So what is that? Yeah, I think, you know, the umbrella over all the things I pursue is basically the pursuit of racial justice, equality, equity, and liberation. Um, I, like I feel it. as though that's something that I'm constantly working towards, whether it's with what I write, with my business, with it, whether it's with, um, you know, projects I'm working on, research I do, anything academically or career wise has been dedicated to the pursuit of, you know, freeing, freeing people. Um, and I feel as though, you know, that's going to happen in my lifetime where we reach a new level of liberation that we haven't already um, especially from a from an intellectual perspective i think that you know as time has gone on um even if you look at like history back in the day humans as a whole have become well i'll speak for for um modernized societies have become a lot less barbaric and even though 100 years ago, we may have had slavery and this and that and Jim Crow, all of this that and the third, as time has gone on, I, I, you know, people, some people say that we're just as bad as it was in the 60s. That's first of all, that's BS. It's not true. But we have made a lot of progress and it's still a long way to go. 
So as we as we see the progress of our country changing and just, you know, being able to have big companies say Black Lives Matter or, you know, have major corporations sponsor a lot of black businesses, you know, for whatever reason, um, you wouldn't have seen that five years ago. You wouldn't have seen that shoot uh, three years ago. So just to see a lot of businesses now and people complain about it, but it's, it's a catch 22. Um, people get mad about, oh, now you want to get on a bandwagon. Like, nah, bro, like, let's get these dollars into our black communities and let's go ahead and let's go ahead and give our people some equity and some some dollars in the game. So we we too can have um, generational wealth for our next generation, because there are a lot of things that we may not see in our lifetime. But let's hope, you know, hopefully we leave a better world for our kids and, and our kids, kids. Right, exactly. I feel as though, you know, progress really has been made, especially in recent years, Um, you know, with the advancements we're seeing, with the coming together that we're seeing. At the same time, I would say, you know, the bad has gotten better at being hidden. Um, Yes. We still have slavery in this country, just by a different name. We still have, um, you know, torture in this country, just by a different name, whether It's the prison industrial system, whether it's the death penalty. And so I think we're looking at an era when um, in which, you know, we're really moving forward in regard to people being aware. Um, We're really just putting it in people's faces, you know, exactly. Um, Awareness and people starting to see, oh, y'all lying. Like we've been telling y'all this for decades. Y'all just didn't care. Right. There's no excuse not to know anymore. Right, exactly. So when people come and act ignorant to or oblivious to what's really going on in America, it's like, okay, you're choosing to be ignorant. You're mm-hmm. choosing to ignore or you don't care. And, you know, I, I equate that to this is that when, when you have people or you have problems with a group of people and it doesn't directly affect you, a lot of times you do turn a blind eye. You know, right. I'll sit up here, I'll sit here and say, honestly, like, I don't know much about um Islamophobia you know I do understand it I know what it is I'm not you know I don't have any issues with people who practice Islam but I do know that there are a lot of Americans who have a problem with Islamic people and people not Islamic people but people who are from countries that practice Islam and it's because of the the rhetoric and the narrative that's been um that's that's poured out on their on their on their um, religion and on their people and that's not fair to them because people just lack education so then you get you get all of these people just you know taking up arms and send them back to their countries and send them and, but it doesn't affect us because we fight in so many battles on our end we may not necessarily mm-hmm. take take that 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 uh, banner and say hey we need we need peace and we need equity for these people as well so I understand it but it doesn't make it right right I think Martin Luther King summed that up best. An injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And so it's like we have to put ourselves in position to have uncomfortable conversations, to read on our own and learn. Because what someone feels about another person, the uh, uneducated and hateful thoughts towards one person can very easily be directed towards another group of people for any other reason. And so... Mm-hmm at the end of the day, the heart of the matter is really the heart of the person, the hearts and minds of people that have allowed themselves to wade through this ignorance and not expand their worldview. And that 
in a day like today where, you know, people are in all sorts of different places of the world, whether through efforts of colonization or if that's their land in the first place, um, Mm -hmm. we, we have to figure out a way to coexist. And that coexistence is inhibited, inhibited by people's, um, you know, lack of putting themselves in a situation or in an area where they can come to understand another group of people, whether those people are near them or not. You know, we have to um, extend ourselves to understand so that way we can help. Right. I, um, you know, I went to Ghana um, last year. Dang, it's been almost, it's been, it's been almost a year. Yeah. I went to Ghana uh, last year and I was there for about 10 days and it's crazy, but when you look at the perspective of people, it's, it's, it's just mind blowing. So in their culture, um, that's on like the West, um, it's, it's on like the, like the horn of Africa almost, but they're, mm-hmm. they're located on the water. So that's where a lot of the slave trade, you know, began. Um, that's, and obviously we know that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Kings, you know, sold their own people to Europeans and, you know, so we understand that. But the crazy part about it is they don't even recognize that history. It's not taught mm-hmm. in their schools. So like me and you, we light skin, right? Right. So I went there and they told me straight up, I had locals like, yo, you're not black. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, right. you're not black. You're the white man. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, you don't even know my history. Like, you don't know where my people come from. You don't know anything. But because of, I'm fair, I'm light skinned or whatever, it's just like, oh no, I'm assumed that I'm I'm just white. I'm American mm-hmm. one, which I get that, but then I'm white. I'm not black. I can't be black. And this girl was like, no, you're not black at all. I'm like, oh okay, all right, cool. I just let her have it. It was pointless to get in that type of conversation. Right. But just to just to see the 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 perspective of them not their culture not teaching slavery like and we we understand it a different way than they do. So our, our black experience is totally different than someone from the motherland. Their mm-hmm. black experience is not the same as ours because when you walk around in their country, everybody's black. When you walk around here, we're still what? The minority. So right. our perspectives are different. So they don't see the racism day in and day out. They don't see the injustice. They don't, they don't have to you know, be, they don't have to deal with being called a nigger. They don't have to deal with, with the with the, the underhanded, you know, or having a code switch. They don't have to deal mm-hmm. with any of those cultural things that we as Black Americans do. Not knocking that, but it's just an interesting take on and perspective on how two people who either came from that, that part of the world and ended up in another part of the world have two totally different perspectives on history. Right, right. And I think that's so interesting because it really just reveals how much of a social construct race in and of itself really is. Just because, you know, first and foremost, one phrase that I always keep in mind is blackness is not a monolith, but also considering how, um, you know, I feel as though there are certain circumstances where you don't have to necessarily recognize your blackness as um, as in its relationship to how you are placed within society. I feel as here, being here in the United States, oftentimes 
we are made more aware of of I don't want to say made more aware of our blackness, but we're aware of it in the sense of how it impacts our day to day life. Right. Whereas, and and pe- people don't necessarily have to people in other countries like, let's say, the Bahamas or Jamaica, they don't necessarily have to deal with that, that part. Mm-hmm. Of it. We are constantly reminded of black. Right, right. And at the same time, like we have to remember that these areas were also colonized. Um, Mm -hmm. as well and so considering that you know especially when when um, European countries were in power in those areas it's like well you know we kind of expect them to to teach the history wrong because that's what they do here so why wouldn't they do that there Um, and that that probably stuck yeah so how did your um Speaking of, you know, Blackness, how did that transition you to or inspire you to create your own app called Black Dollar? Right. Um, You know, I I think in regards to that, I would say, as I mentioned a little bit ago, you know, one of my missions in life, my main mission in life is to work towards liberation and economic liberation was an area that I needed to expand more on in regard to my outreach um, and in regard to my own education. And so when I first began that, I didn't do that with the intention of creating an app. I did that with the intention of, you know, finding new ways on which people pursue equity. And so in doing that, I began to realize how essential it was to simplify the process of participating in supporting Black businesses. So I had the idea for Black Dollar um, over a year ago, actually, now. And during that time, you know, um, the idea had um, just been on my mind loosely for a little bit. And then around Christmas time, everything I bought for Christmas was from a Black-owned brand or business. And, um, you know, I was realizing, you know, like, as dedicated as I am to this, um, a lot of people would not fully go through with this process just because, you know, it takes a little bit more effort to research, find out if a company is black owned instead of just, you know, going to um, a mobile site where you can access businesses that you can, you can rest assured are black owned. And so I looked into the process of the app and it, it was way beyond my budget um, as a college student, you know, um, just the original prices I was looking at. I was like, really, this is what people are spending on apps these days. My goodness. When I was um, spending, spending money on an app, I saw like 30 grand. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's what I saw too. And that was for like the basic version, not even the vision right. I had. And so I was like, okay, we'll just um, put a pin in that, revisit that at another time. Was it discouraging? And- I wouldn't say it was discouraging. I would just say, you know, I adjusted my calendar Um, just because oftentimes when I think about things I want to do, um, if it's if it's not something I can do now, it's something that I'll plan to do later and I'll work my way towards it. Um, So really, to me, there aren't really no's. There's not now's. (laughs) Um, There's yes and there's not now. Um, Right. I respect that. 
And I'm, I'm just really grateful that that was, you know, a thought I had back then because I just really had a lot of time to think, well, okay, um, when I do get to that point, I want it to have this and that and these features. And so 2020 rolled around and, um, you know, we're inside the house. I have a little bit more time on my hands and, um, you know, I started webinar binging. <laughs> um, you know, I think, um, you know, there's a, a season of Netflix binging, but I really love, you know, some good inform- informative talks. And so um, I was always seeing these different webinars advertised on IG. And I decided to watch one one day that was on app building. And they explained the process in a way that was so simple, but also they um, pointed out a really affordable method for going about it. And I was like, you know what? I could do this now. Um, I think I saw that. They, did they advertise that a lot? Yeah, they were advertising. Was it a black woman crazy. speaking? Yes. Yep, I know exactly. I, I didn't watch it. You know what? I need to go back and watch that. Go watch that. Um, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it, yeah. Um, okay. And I would say, you know, that really set me up for the track of thinking on, you know, how I could create this app now. Um, and it ended up being perfect timing for such a time as this in 2020 and the impact that black businesses have experienced due to closures and due to um, lack of aid and due to, you know, people in general not having as much money right now. Right. And so, so, so what did you learn from that as far as a financing perspective over because that's like honestly one of the biggest hurdles that a lot of people think that they have that may not necessarily be the case you know when I did when I took on you know my Airbnb project when I first started it my first thought was there's no way I can afford this Mm and that's always you know the first thought so how did you overcome that hurdle whether it was mentally Um, physically or whatever in all honesty, before each purchase I made with Black Dollar, I was praying real hard about it. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's really what was guiding me because, you know, this <laughs> this type of project on is really coming from my college savings. Like, that's a crazy move to make. Um, I don't want to say it's necessarily unwise, but it's very risky. And so, yeah. you know, I was just being really prayerful about it and trying to think logically, but also realizing that none of my aspirations are um, truly logical when it comes to what I want to see come to fruition. And so in realizing that, I was like, okay, um, we'll take this risk. And if it's meant to be, the money will come. Um, And it really did, you know, I don't even understand how um, my funding has multiplied for this. I don't, I still to this day don't have an, uh, locked in investors, but it's really just come into a place where there's support behind it. And I've been able to, you know, out of random places, people just blessing me with, with the ability to do what I need to do. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense, but you know, the best things can't be explained. I agree. And, you know, with that being said, you know, oftentimes people talk about how do you become an entrepreneur? How do you do this? How do you create? At the end of the day, producers are the ones who, who makes this society run. Um, creators are the ones who make this society one run. 
So when you look at yourself and, you know, I admire somebody like you because I wish I had the courage to do what you did at your age. Um, you're, I'm not that much older than you, but um, I wish I had the wherewithal to be able to take that chance at, you know, in my early twenties, you know, and I'm in my late twenties now. So it's like, dang, like, I wish I would have done that. So for, for, for the people out there listening, like one is never too late Two, um, she did this with under on a college budget. So it's no excuse for y'all who work in full-time jobs, who work in full-time jobs, educated, making, you know, 50, 60, 70 grand a year. Like it's no excuse. Um, and, and so I, I admire you for your, for your, your resolve to be able to commit to this process because at the end of the day, worst case scenario, let's say this doesn't work out, you still have a chance to recover and you still have a chance to say, I did that. You showed something. Hey, I created this. This is something that I put back into the community because let me tell you something, man, you have a lot of people out here who complain about the culture. You know, they, this is always wrong with this country. This is wrong with this country. They aren't doing this and they aren't doing that. All right, cool. What you doing about it? So then when you get somebody like yourself who actually put something out into the atmosphere, you put something and you created something tangible for black people to progress black culture and black businesses. So you're not only an advocate for it, you produce something to align with it, to better the culture, to better black businesses. So when you look at that from that perspective, like it's, it's a powerful thing that you're doing. And I want to, I want to applaud you and commend you for that. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I would say, you know, like, I think early on, before I got to this point, I was really doing some self-reflection on what my purpose is. And that's just a really difficult question to answer in general. So I started looking at, you know, what I like to do and what brings me the most fulfillment. And in honesty, you know, the answer to that question is helping people and solving problems. And so you know, whenever I, I take on something, I want to see what problem something can solve. Um, whether it's risky, whether it's comfortable, I want to, you know, get out there and take action, um, not just complain about it, not just talk about it, but be about it. And that's the example that I want, you know, other people to take just because we're all participants in the reality that we're creating. And so if you want something to be different, you have to put your hands to it. Um, I think, you know, I'm really grateful that I was able to do this at my point in life. Um, just because, you know, personally, I was like, dang, I wish I had done this years ago when I was younger. Um, but, you know, realizing, especially in your 20s, you know, take some risks. Um, take the chances on the things that you think are out of your league or beyond your, your current capabilities just because, you know, this is how you get those capabilities. This is how you expand to the level you need to be at in order to operate to your fullest potential and walk in your power. And so I'd really say to anyone listening, you know, if there's something on your heart that you're pursuing, there's something on your heart that you want to see come to fruition, just go for it. Things will come together, especially if you take that time to prepare and to envision what you want to see. You're preaching. I love it. Thank you. Thank it. you. Because that, that preparation piece is so key. When you prepare for success, when you prepare for that, then you, you set yourself up to more, more than likely succeed. 
you know, the reason why you get somebody like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, hell, even anybody in the NBA, the reason why you get people on that level is because they prepared for that moment. They prepared to, to be successful. So how does black dollar work and what problem does it solve? I know because I've done the research on it, but for the audience who's listening, what, what does it solve? How does it work and how can they be a part of that, of that growth? Right. So black dollar uh, basically connects people to black owned businesses. There's uh, one feature which is our business directory, which is a map that shows you black owned businesses near you. And you can sort it into categories, whether you want to find restaurants or barbershops, nail salons. It basically shows you um, Black-owned businesses that are in your area. There's also the online businesses feature, which you can you know, search for the type of business or the type of product you're looking for. Um, and a Black-owned business will pop up. Um, and that section is also for um, mobile businesses that don't have a set address. So let's say you're a food truck or a caterer where your reach is far beyond just your current city. Um, you could find um, those type of businesses within the online business section. Um, and there are more features to come um, that will really help equip people on, you know, how to maintain their business, how to start, how to support, um, and financial literacy in general. But the app basically solves the problem of wanting to find a Black-owned business um, to support. I think a lot of people have the intention and the desire to support Black-owned businesses, but if you're out and about already, um, there's less likelihood that you're gonna go to a website to find a Black-owned business near you. Um, but if you can go to something mobile that will Send, show you the website that will send you directions on how to get there that will give you a little bit of background on you know what type of food might be there or what type of clothing a certain place sells uh, you might you know be more inclined to go seek out that black owned business just because it's at your fingertips and so the way people can support now is right now we're basically releasing city by city based on data that we're getting on where black owned businesses are. Um, now, one thing people can do is submit a business that they want to see on that app, regardless of what city it's in, we'll put them on there. Just because, you know, we're only going city by city for organization sake. Um, but if there's a business that is in, you know, Milwaukee and we haven't gotten to this, that city yet, send it to us and we'll just put them on there. Um, and we want variety. We want different types of businesses, small, large. We want medical professionals and lawyers just because we want people to be able to access Black business, Black care, Black service anywhere they are. And over time, I see this growing to a level that is going to really equip businesses to be on the map not just within their city, but when, when new people come to town or when people want to find out where is the best whatever in whichever city, I want people to be able to find that through this app. And so the platform is growing, um, haven't even ran an ad yet and have hundreds and hundreds of subscribers. And so this natural growth is really just showing that this is filling a need, a desire that people have. And I'm so excited for that. 
That's dope, man. And, and again, so I'm definitely going to try to promote it in Tampa. That's where I'm located. So um, thank you. There are a lot of black businesses here. So I'll definitely be submitting a few of them uh, for people in Tampa because I know like obviously your Atlanta's, your, your Houston's and DC areas are probably going to be the, the main ones that you roll out. Um, so yeah. So how did you plan and how did the, the creation process go for you? How long did that take? And I'm not talking from an app building perspective. I'm talking about from just like mapping out logistically what you wanted in the different sections of the app. How did all that go? Um, I would say the initial process of knowing that I wanted a specific section for a directory and a specific section for online and mobile businesses. Um, that was pretty early on, but fleshing out how that would work in, um, you know, the details I wanted to include and what else in the app I wanted um, evolved for months. Um, I would say even once, you know, the app was, was ready, I was like, okay, like I see this and this being added within the next several months. Um, just because I think this has the potential to not only be an aid for finding black businesses, but if it's going to be called black dollar, it's going to teach you how to protect your black dollar and how to increase it as well. And so um, I would say I'm, I'm still allowing that vision to grow. Um, I would say over the last several months, it's expanded to include and be more clear about, um, you know, the impact that this can have, not just for businesses, but for individuals as well. Um, and also realizing that this isn't something that's limited to just black users. A lot of people who have supported, even people who have downloaded already, um, aren't black people, but they realize the need to support black business right now. And so I, I'm, I'm definitely inspired and encouraged by the support in that. Um, and also want to continue to develop the resource that this can be beyond just a directory feature. I like that. I like that a lot. So if you guys want to get involved, like, please, like wherever you are located, please submit your businesses, even the ones, even people who are listening, who are in business, submit your businesses so that um, as her app grows, as her app expands and people can find you. Because not, like, again, like she was saying, you know, some of you guys do business all across the country, but you may be, you may be housed in, in, you know, a certain area. So definitely, definitely do that. Um, let's take a, let's take a pivot because, you know, I love the black, black dollar, but I want to, girl, I want to hype you up on this TED talk. So <laughs> she actually did a TED talk at Pepperdine University, and it was called Arming Ourselves with Radical Love. So how, for, how the hell did you get on a TED talk? That's so dope. How'd you do that? Um, you know, that's one of those things I can't really explain either. <laughs> um, I would say, <laughs> you know, there was this advertisement that there was about to be a TED talk at Pepperdine University, TEDx talk. And I'd seen it in about August of 2018, I believe. And there wasn't too much hype around it. I was like, this is really a TED talk. I don't know why no one's talking about this. And so I had set it on my to-do list to apply, um, but I did not set it at the top of my to-do list. <laughs> and um, time rolled around and um, eventually the application was about to be due. 
And it was a really interesting season just because um, at that particular time at Pepperdine, um, there had just been a shooting um, locally that students had been at and someone died. And the next day, everything was on fire. And so, um, you know, people couldn't evacuate right away. So it was just tragedy on tragedy and trauma. And the application was still due. Um, And so... Yeah, and so I was like, you know what? With everything else going on, I'm I'm gonna I'm still gonna submit this application. And so I had had a loose idea of what I wanted to talk about, but I really hadn't settled anything on um, what exactly I wanted to dive into. But what was really coming to mind at that time was I wanted to expand the conversation on love beyond what had it had just been talked about in recent decades or even throughout history. Um, I think oftentimes, you know, love was discussed in a manner that was always, um, you know, agape love, where you love despite anything and everything. And um, in a social justice context, um, that's really nearly impossible. And so I wanted to, um, you know, discuss it in a tangible, accomplishable way and realizing that you know that love for that to be something efficient and effective had to be targeted towards ourself first our cause next and then later as a resolution strategy eventually towards our enemy and so you know I wrote that on the application um, real quick as fast as possible minutes before the deadline turned it in um and ended up getting an invite for an interview and um, the interview went well next thing I know I'm I'm on track to be given this TED talk and so that was pretty much what went into that and there's just a beautiful process of of putting it together and just words flowing from my mind um, that really created this piece that I'm not proud of as um, you know just being a personal accomplishment but I see it as something that has truly impacted and will continue to serve as a guide for people looking for where to place the, the love with no direction within them. That's so cool, man. A lot of people, so now you're not only uh, an inventor of an app that solves you know, problems for you know, the Black community, but you're also a thought leader. So how do you... How does that, you know, when you market yourself and you're like, yo, yo, I was, I did a TED talk. Like, <laughs> like yo, yo, go check that out. I'm going to drop you the YouTube link, like TED talk. It's a dope thing. Um, You know, I've list, definitely listened to my fair share of TED talks. And I think it's definitely, that's obviously how we, how we connected. So I, I definitely, definitely like really admire, admire that. How long was your, was your speech? Um, I think I've gotten it down to about eight minutes. Um, it it could have been you longer. Had to take out had a lot I, then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, I'm I'm really grateful for the final product just because I feel like it's it's this concise, clear, thing, very clear. Concise when you speak, sound bite. yeah. When you speak that that quickly, you don't have a lot of time for elaboration. So you have to be very clear, very concise, very to the point, and you have to hit your subject matter and be, be in and out. Right. 
And that can be a challenge, especially, you know, someone who, you know, my thoughts evolve as I'm speaking. Um, And so that could be a problem when you have a time limit at times. But in writing the TED Talk, a lot of what I wanted to include came from people who had inspired me deeply, like Bell Hooks. And I wanted to incorporate her work into the TED Talk, but I also realized that this was a moment in which I needed to incorporate more of what was coming directly from me instead of just the people who inspired me because this was my moment to inspire others. And so I really, you know, used what I've been reading all my life to inform me and to help me create new ideas instead Mm of just, you know, um, sharing with people, okay, this quote is, is what, you know, taught me to think like this, you know, Um, and basically expanding on that and really just going at what created my thoughts and what my thoughts are and using that as the main point of the speech and the heart of, of what I wanted to say. I like that. I do want to ask this question to pivot back to Black Dollar. I forgot to ask you this question. What was one of your biggest challenges before launching? Hmm. Biggest challenges before launching. I think, you know, there was just, um, there are a lot of things that were out of my control. And at a certain point, I felt obligated to stick to a timeline that I had placed on myself for the purpose of not disappointing others. Um, And I think I wanted to do that just because when I originally announced it, I'd planned to be ready by the summer. And I think, you know, I'm very much a person who wants to stick to my word no matter what. But I was also realizing that that pressure was coming from an expectation that I set for myself that had not um, or was not able to account for, you know, new things that had happened along the way. Um, And so, you know, I think that was the biggest challenge is realizing, you know, any pressure that existed came from myself and not any expectation that anyone else was placing on me. And so um, just, you know, in becoming cognizant of that, I really removed that from my mindset because I really don't want to be the only person in my way. You know, there's enough to deal with. There's enough to to um, face and get around. And I think, you know, I had this point where I realized my thinking um, was the biggest thing um, preventing me from from feeling the best about where I was at with my at, because at the same time, you got to remember, we're really surviving a pandemic right now. We're surviving an upheaval in our democracy. So we really, you know, if you accomplished anything, whether that was making an app or getting out of bed every day during 2020, you did something. That's real. That is real. What keeps you up at night when it comes to your business? Oh, um, that's a really good question. I would say right now, um, just making the biggest impact for people so businesses can survive. One of the things that I've noticed as I'm putting businesses into the app um, and I'm going through the data and trying to make sure everyone is uploaded is sometimes these businesses that I find data for by the time I'm uploading them, they've shut down. And wow. I think, you know, that's, that's just really speaks to what's going on right now. People are in a situation where you might be good 
right now and two months from now, this situation that's going on economically might have swallowed you alive. And so I think what keeps me up at night is realizing the importance of getting the word out there about these businesses and just really hoping that people use this resource to go out and support and keep businesses alive. And when you keep businesses alive, it's not just, you know, that business in and of itself. Oftentimes it's a family or several families that you're helping. It's a community that you are supporting. You are circulating a dollar within the black community for a longer period of time. And in other communities, those dollars will get circulated for longer. But in our community, you know, in the black community, that dollar will not be circulated as long on average. And so realizing that there is such a deep impact when you support a black business. And so what keeps me up at night isn't just, um, you know, keeping businesses alive in and of themselves, but realizing that there are families, there are communities, there is our society that will be impacted on the basis of how we support how we empower black economics and so i think i'm always trying to realize and always trying to gauge what position black dollar needs to be in in order to have the greatest impact and support in the best way possible to you know be a a trickle down impact on everyone who is involved um whether that is the business or whether that is the individuals supporting businesses i love that i love that you're so candid um, thank you i want to go ahead and pivot to our econics 10 so this is 10 10 questions and just answer them they're not they're not rapid fire or anything but the first question is what would you title this chapter in your life Ooh, um I would call it prosperous uncertainty. <laughs> um, I like I'm, that. Yo, you be dropping like, you be on your <laughs> Erica Badu, bruh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know. I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as though, you know, like, I'm not profiting yet, but I still feel accomplished and prosperous just because there are people who are being touched and, and lives are being impacted. And for me, that means I'm blessed. That's real. That's real. Number two, what superpower would you have? Um, speaking any language. I love talking hmm. to people. I love learning p about people and listening to their stories. And if I could go anywhere and understand anybody who spoke to me, um, I feel like that would be the best superpower I could possibly have. That's a new one. Um, number three, what would you invest in right now if money was not an issue? If money was not an issue, um, an REIT, all of them. <laughs> okay. I like it. And we didn't even cover it, which is fine. Um, like that. Number four, if you weren't doing this, what would your other profession be? Um, it would probably be related to research I want to pursue in regard to communication and media. Um, okay. That's what I'll be pursuing in my master's is research on how um, discussions that derive from, um, you know, stories that we see in movies or television, um, how those are discussed within different communities. So basically, if you see something like when they see us, 
um, how is that discussed within the black community versus in other communities. So I would be studying that, expanding my research and looking on how to, um, you know, create the knowledge um, that I get from that and use like it that. for I like all the Jordan Peele movies. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like yes. how those are perceived between <laughs> a white audience and a black audience. And yeah, Jordan Peele be having some like super deep underlying meanings to his his stuff. So I, I that that is actually an interesting um thought process and and, and a point of research. Number five, five dinner guests at your table, dead or alive, who are they? Oh, um, <laughs> and you read a lot, so I know you got some people. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say, oh, only five. Okay, um, I would have to say, um, let's go with Jesus. <laughs> hey, what's up, Jesus? Actually, let me table that because he's in the room at any time. So um, we could we could choose some others. Let me go with okay. okay. Um, uh, we'll go with Michael Jackson. We'll okay. go with Ella Baker. We'll go with Malcolm X. Um, okay. Huey Newton. And um, hmm, give me one second. This last one is difficult. Man, You're five people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I would say, you know, um, you said dead or alive. So I'm gonna go with Bell yep. Hooks. Okay, I like it. You got a solid five, yo. That'll Thank be an you. interesting conversation. That will definitely be a very interesting conversation at your dinner table. Oh, I um, can't wait for the food because I'm trying to figure out who's catering. Jesus. <laughs> Jeez, there we go. Bread from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, your celebrity crush. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> um, lifelong is Usher. Hey, okay, Usher. Um, number seven. Hey, Usher, if you out there, holla at your girl. Holla at your girl. <laughs> number seven. Something that the average person would not know about you. Oh man, um, the average person would not know. Hmm. I feel like I don't want to say I'm an open book because I feel like I've become more of a private person over the years. Um, but the average person would not know that originally I wanted to be a musician. Do you play an instrument? I do. So um, I grew up, you know, around a lot of instruments, learned how to play piano, guitar, violin, trombone, a little bit of drums and harmonica. Um, I would say now I would reduce that down to mostly piano. Um, but yeah, that was, that was what I wanted to do. Were you in the do. band at all in high school? I was up in the band. I was in the band. I was in the choir. See, I knew I you were a band geek. Yeah. I was a band yeah. geek too, man. I, I was, I played trumpet from like middle school through college. So okay, yeah, I'm brass. Like, I was right there with you. What's good? What's good? Heavy on that brass. Come through. <laughs> um, number seven. Um, nope. Number eight, your biggest pet peeve. Oh, um, I really can't stand the scent of food that used to be in a car. Um, it's like if you go and you get takeout, you know, you get pizza or Chinese food and you bring it home. And then the next day you get in your car again and your car Smell still like smells like that food. Doo. 
Oh my yeah. gosh, it's like, it just like, does something to me. It's disgusting. It's like straight ass, like yo, what's going on in my car? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you open up the door, it's just disrespect just coming out. Right, it's like what happened? <laughs> uh, uh, just number stank. nine. <laughs> number nine, your biggest fear. My biggest fear. Ooh, um, this is oh my goodness, yeah. I would say, um. You know, my biggest fear, one of them would be being a single mother. Um, I think, you know, anyone who I've seen as a single mother has had the greatest amount of courage I've ever seen um, and the greatest amount of, um, you know, perseverance I've ever seen. And it's tough, man. It's, it's yeah. Tough. Yeah. I, I, I just look can't at, I look at my that. own life. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, how in the world do you afford to live mm-hmm. being a single mom? Like, especially, you know, you, especially let's say you have some, some moms out here who have two kids, three kids. How do you survive? It's tough. Right. It's tough. And, and like, I've seen so many women do that beautifully. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, there has to be challenges with it, but also I just feel as though that's something that, um, is beyond what I could imagine myself being capable of doing. The one thing. You never know. You built a whole app, bro. You never know what you could do. <laughs> well, I'm not going to speak that into existence. Though. I agree. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you right there. Um, number 10, your most embarrassing moment. Give me something good. Oh, man. Okay. Number 10. I'm glad this is the last question because I don't know what I'll do after this. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, you see, like I don't, I don't really always feel embarrassed, um, you know, just because, like, I'm like, well, people will forget that eventually, but <laughs> yeah, right, um, five years later, <laughs> yeah, in middle school, I had a crush on this dude, and he was walking over to talk to me, and right as he was walking over to talk to me, I sneezed so hard, like. But I think that's the hardest I've ever sneezed. And when I took my elbow away from my nose, there was just snot. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, oh, no, this is you terrible. Killed you killed it. Yeah. It's, so I just, Did he still I just talk to you? Away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, ran away from him. I was like, I need a minute. He was probably like, oh, she's shy. I was like, no, I just... I ain't trying to share this this my visual. life right now. <laughs> <laughs> my life is in shambles. Give me a minute to put myself together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. So um, the final thing, I want you to tell people, one, where to find you, how to find your work, um, where to download Black Dollar, how to find it. Give me all the details on how people can get in contact with you. Right, right, right. So first off, you can um, find Black Dollar on instagram twitter or facebook um instagram is the most pop and i would say at black dollar llc and you can find me on instagram as well at it's your curl i-t-s-y-o-r-y-o-u-r my bad c-u-r-l um or email me at olivia at black dollar app.org um you can download the app on the app store whether that is the apple app store or the android play store um and make sure you get the app that um has the black dollar logo on there which is the black um 
locator icon with, uh, or the, sorry, the green locator icon with the black fist. Um, But if you're not sure what that looks like, take a look at our IG, look at that little icon there that you see in our profile picture. And when you search black dollar on the app store, um, you should find it. It's all one word, black dollar. Perfect. And again, as always guys, I will put all of her links in the show notes. So when you go to look up the, look up this podcast episode, all of her links will be there for you to just click and she will be easily accessible. So thank you so much, Olivia, for coming on to the podcast and talking about Black Dollar. Yo, I wish you nothing but prosperity, peace and love in the future. And you just go kick ass and take names, girl. I'm so proud of you and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm just so grateful to have been here and got to have spoken with you. These have been some very insightful questions and um, best to you in all that you do with your podcast and all the other projects that you're working on right now. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. Yeah.